Hello, hello, my darlings, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. This is Maria, and I am so glad to see so many of you show up for this. Today, we're going to be talking about angels and demons. I feel like I've been wanting to do this episode for some time. It is one of those foundational episodes. It is one that is going to introduce some new terminology. It is a very challenging episode potentially because it's going to require for you to keep an open mind. It's going to require for you to dive very deep with me, as deep as the rabbit hole goes. And it's going to require for you to be flexible potentially as well. Now, the good news is you are going to walk out of this with a deeper understanding of how the different things connect in the universe. And so I'm really excited to be talking to you about angels and demons today. Now, before we get started, a couple of housekeeping items. Thank you for everybody that has been buying my book. Uh, for those of you that have never heard that I do have a book, it's called 72 Keys to Manifestation or An Ancient Path of a Modern Day Alchemist. It is available on Amazon. It is a journey. It is a journey um, around, focused around manifesting your best life yet. It is a number of lessons, actually 72 lessons on practical magic, specifically the art of manifestation. It's all about transmutation. It's all about taking energy in the form that is available to you and turning it into your physical manifested reality that's going to serve you. It's all about building the life according to your own blueprint. Thank you for everybody that's been sending me feedback and reviews and all, all the wonderful comments. Um, thank you for everybody who's read the book. Um, I am so happy you're seeing changes and um, you know all the amazing developments in your life. It warms my heart. Um, if you'd be so kind and if you're so inclined, please leave me a review on Amazon. I totally appreciate it. Also, if you're not meditating with me on our Sacred Universe podcast, Perhaps you should. I'm uploading new meditations there every Sunday. That podcast is growing incredibly fast. It's like it caught on like wildfire. So everybody who has been meditating with me, I'm sending you a big virtual hug. You know exactly who you are. Yeah. And um, the recording of this episode is also available on YouTube. So if you want the video stream, not just the audio stream, do check it out. Um, my channel on YouTube is This is Maria, Maria with a Y, M A R I Y A. That's it. That's it for the housekeeping items. And we're moving to the topic of today angels and demons, you guys. Angels and demons. For this episode, like I said, I would love for you to keep an open mind. Some of the stuff that I will talk to you about today could potentially blow your mind, not gonna lie. Some of it is going to require for you to expand your mind because we're gonna be talking about certain topics that are large, as large as source consciousness. And essentially the, let's say the motivations of source and, and how source has created this wondrous system um, that we all exist in. So some of it is gonna be expansive. And um, there's a disclaimer that I would like to make for this episode. Um, obviously, I always encourage you to listen with your heart, not your ears. Or shall I say, listen with both, your ears and your heart. Um, the things that are true are going to start resonating with you very, very quickly. If something does not, for this particular episode, I encourage you to discard it. I encourage you to only take what resonates and leave out all the rest. 
and that is going to be completely okay. This is probably going to be one of those just entry point type episodes. I don't think I could possibly give you the breadth and the depth of information that the topic of angels and demons requires in one short podcast. So today we're going to do the best that we can. Hopefully there's some time towards the end of this for Q&A. And that's it. We're diving right in into the subject of angels and demons. Per usual, I want to start at the beginning. I want to start with source consciousness. Because this game that we call life, this virtual reality, as well as everything that exists outside of the virtual reality, outside of the matrix, has been created by the great mastermind, also called God Almighty. I like to call this consciousness source. I have been referring to source consciousness probably since, if not the first episode of this podcast, maybe the second. So pretty early. And if you've been with me, you're very familiar with this concept. Today, we're going to dive deeper because today I'm going to tell you that there is more than one source. Again, I'm like, um, obviously you guys know that as I'm doing this, I'm tuning into the collective consciousness of humanity. Just the moment that I said that, you're like, what did she just say? <laughs> and why does it completely kill the whole paradigm of everything that we've heard before? It does not. It does not. Um, sometimes when I'm delivering a particular body of knowledge and sharing with you, I always measure a couple of things before we dive into this. First, I measure the state of readiness of collective human consciousness to whatever I'm going to say. Humanity hasn't been ready to hear this up until now. Now we are experiencing a massive solar shift. Just a different slew of solar energies is coming through to planet Earth. Things that you guys would not have been able to comprehend before are actually going to become a lot easier to understand, internalize, interpret, starting essentially right now. And so I feel like you're ready. By the way, nothing that I'm going to tell you in this episode contradicts, contradicts anything else that we talked about in the past. And I'm going to explain exactly how all of this works. So don't you worry. So let's start with source. This story you have heard from me a time or a dozen. The reason we're all on this merry-go-round of incarnations, coming into bodies, dying, disincarnating, essentially coming back here is, you know, at the very root, it letters up to one simple truth. The truth is at one point source wanted to know itself. Source as consciousness, looked at itself and said, I want to know every single facet of myself, every nook and cranny, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, the light, the darkness, all of it. I just want to know me. What is me that is special, unique, and different, right? Now, of course, source was everything and everything was source. And so in order for source to start understanding and to start internalizing what it was and what it wasn't, started dividing itself. And apparently when you are everything, there are quite many ways to do that. There are many ways to skin the cat. You may think of this and like one good proxy is think of energy and the fact that energy is everything. You can divide energies, energy into so many different things. You can divide energy in, into dimensions. You can divide energy into colors. You can divide energy into the musical spectrum and the musical notes. In other words, there are so many different facets to energy. If you are experiencing this in a third dimensional reality, imagine how much more robust, how much more diverse, how much more sophisticated sources, a lot more sophisticated. So it could have divided itself in so many more different ways. 
And so it did. So essentially every cycle in the universe, the universe goes through cycles, the cycle of death and rebirth, just like the Phoenix bird. And every cycle is what I refer to as, as the breath of the creator or the breath of source. In the same way that in every day, essentially how many breaths per minute does an average human take? I don't know, 20 breaths per minute, give or take, and depending on how fast you're breathing. So in, in the same way, source is going through a process of death and rebirth and through those cycles all the time. It has been through an infinite amount of cycles already. You know, in this particular cycle, when source started dividing itself, it said, hey, one of the very fundamental things that I would like to explore is dividing myself into two equal parts, one part light and one part darkness. And so it did just that. And as part of this current game, as part of this current cycle, the entirety of existence was split in the middle, 50-50, even split initially. That's how it all started. So on the inhale, source decided to divide itself into two equal parts, light, and darkness. Source did not conceive of either of those parts as being superior or inferior to the other. Even this alone, when you guys hear it, is controversial because you have been born into a paradigm that light somehow is always right. The good guys, the heroes, are always the ones with the right answer. And then we have another group over here that are called the villains. Those are the bad people. Those are the ones that we want to throw to the wolves. Um, those are the ones that we want to judge, etc., etc. You see, Source was not limited by this perception. It just said, if I am everything and I love myself, by the way, Source loves itself. If I'm everything and I love myself fully, and I said quite arbitrarily that I would divide myself into two parts, light and darkness. I would never say, as source, if I love the entirety of myself, that one is better than the other. I, simply as source, just wanted to experience everything, right? So source just wanted to experience everything. Here's where you're going to have to start using a little bit of your imagination because this is in mostly an audio format. So I'm not, I don't have the benefit of being able to draw something for you. So I'm going to have to draw things with my voice. And you just bear with me. And this is where we get to this conundrum of there's not just one source. Before I dive into that, I will tell you this. The most absolute truth is that, yes, at one point, everything was oneness. And then at one point, everything is going to go back to that oneness. Division is temporary. Divisions, division within source consciousness is a means of learning or teaching and the two is essentially the two sides of the same coin. So source, in, from any perspective, actually, that is a higher frequency perspective that we could take, is more than just the great creator. Source is actually the number one teacher in the universe. The number one guru, if you will. The number one mastermind. And so it said, if I am two parts, light and darkness, I need to create a system that would enable me to understand myself better. And also enable every little aspect of me, no matter how small, to also go through the experience of understanding itself and understanding the world around it. And so Source split itself further. And it split itself 
into smaller particles. Each of them became its own micro source or mini source or nano source, if you will. So essentially, there is a network of, mm, that we could refer to as the network of source consciousness. And it's almost like a web out there. And this web has nodes. And each nod in, within the web that connects pathways and connects, um, essentially, you know, there's a line and the two points, and each of the two points is a nod. Each of this is a mini source, which is a projection of this master source consciousness that was a oneness at one point. And so remember, we're talking about a network that source split itself into. But that network is not entirely white. Essentially, because source was 50% darkness and 50% light, it had just as many nods that were darkness as it did nods that represented light. And again, as you're listening to me saying that, what I would like to challenge you to do is get out of the concept that dark means bad and light means good. Because nothing is quite as linear, and definitely not, as we're taking the perspective of Source. So Source took almost like, shall we say, the best particles of itself. The parts of itself that had the potential to be guru teachers. And split itself, kind of created like a spectrum of itself. In the same way that we have dimensions here, and arguably, something is that is a seventh dimension has a higher vantage point and a higher perspective than something that is of the third dimension, think of the same thing happening to source. It essentially divided its own consciousness into a spectrum of nano, micro mm, consciousnesses. <laughs> I know that's not, it's not a plural, but you catch my drift. And it said, okay, at each level of my understanding or uh, how I chose to divide myself, each of the smaller parts of me is going to be a local teacher, right? So in other words, yes, all of these baby sources all ladder up to the same source consciousness that is the great absolute, the oversoul, the largest entity, the everything that we can imagine. But it also divided itself into its own smaller localized particles because it felt that that would speed up the process of evolution and that would speed up the process of it understanding itself. That's that. And that is how we ended up with multiple, let's call them universes, or multiple pockets within reality. So there are actually a very large amount, a very large number of localized sources. And we, and that is how we're going to start bringing it down for you, we exist within one such pocket of reality. So our localized source consciousness that I have been referring to as source, right? So literally, if you've been listening to me up until this episode, every time I said source, more often than not, more often than not, I was referring to our local source not the global source. By the way, both of them from our perspective are infinitely large. So what do we care, right? But just wanted to make that thing clear. And so what I want you to imagine is that essentially the structure of existence is numerous pockets of reality. And these pockets energetically are white pockets and black pockets. 
So we are currently existing inside of a white pocket of reality. We are existing under a source consciousness that represents, represents light uh, or color white, if you will. So our source, if you looked at it, if you met up with it, is going to come across as this massive solar consciousness that emits incredible amounts of light. But it is also our local teacher. So at one point, we as souls chose ourselves the perfect teacher that we personally wanted to learn from. And for most of us on this planet, the answer was this local source. Why did we choose this local source? Because we felt that this local source had the perfect level of understanding to be able, and the tools, by the way, to teach us how to evolve at soul level. And it just happened so, right, that our souls selected the, the white pocket, the light pocket of reality. Now, about 50% of all souls in existence selected a dark pocket of reality, one of many, and selected their own teacher. So what is the main difference around, you know, light and darkness in this particular case? In this particular case, and for this particular concept, the, diff the main difference between light pockets of reality and, and, and source, like menial micro source consciousnesses that represent light pockets of reality and the darkness is this. Light stands for unity and unification and connection. Whereas dark pockets actually go through the same merry-go-round of understanding life, understanding themselves and understanding source, understanding creation, understanding the universe from a different perspective and a different angle. They're looking at things from a concept of and the angle of individuality. They're looking at it from the concept of, I don't need to be um, connected to something to know myself. And they're not necessarily of the opinion that the final answer of the universe is to join together with everybody else and become one. In fact, darkness feels a little bit different. Darkness is all about the accumulation of energy, but it is a little bit different. So let me maybe take it back and, and, and rewind this because this is, it is a little bit of a complicated concept and I'm like literally like very close to be able to explain it to you in, in a way that you guys are totally gonna get it. This macro large source, just bear with me for a quick second. This one big source that everything came from always knows that at the end of the cycle, there's an exhale. And there is this point zero that I've actually talked to you about in the past. Point zero is everything going back into oneness. Everybody knows the light pockets of reality, the dark pockets of reality. Everybody knows that the end game of this is to go back into oneness. But there are many ways to go back into oneness. What are the main ways? There is the way of going back into oneness that light prefers. And then there is the way of going back into oneness that the darkness prefers. What are the different paths and what are the different ways? For the light, it's actually very simple. Light recognizes free will. That is the most important thing for light. And as such, it recognizes free will of every being in existence to pick their own path. And then from a place of every being in existence having their own free will, eventually 
This familial mentality brings everything together because the truth of everything is oneness. But it comes from almost like unity family consciousness, if that makes sense. Like, let's hold hands and sing kumbaya. That is the way of light. Let's come together, get back into oneness and kind of sing kumbaya while we're at it. Right? So you're not better than me and me are not better than you. And like, we'll all are just going to join, be, be joined into one thing. Darkness doesn't think that way. With darkness, it is um, the collapse into oneness happens very differently. As they're going on their individual paths into the depth of who they are, they're learning things about themselves. And in the process of discovering and learning things about themselves, they discover that they have infinite power because they are a projection of source consciousness. And so it is about accumulating more and more power over time. And as these beings accumulate more and more power, there is a vortex that is created around massive beings of power. And they start absorbing other consciousnesses into itself. It's kind of like being lost in a tornado or being like, like sucked in by the, the large vortex. So as um, beings that are studying under the ray of darkness, let's say, or the pocket of darkness, are going through their experiences, many of them start accumulating power. And it's all about absorbing the energy of another because you're kind of stronger, if that makes sense. But it's not in a predatory way. It is in the way of magnetism, actually. It is because your magnetic pool becomes so un, uh, so irresistible that essentially you start sweeping away everything in your vicinity and you're like just like sucking them up. So you know like one way to think about it? Do you guys know that Jupiter uh, has like, I don't know, 200 moons or something? So the reason Jupiter has 2,000 moons is because Jupiter is massive. Its gravity pool is so massive. So like any like little planet or whatever, or an asteroid or what have you, that comes into its vicinity, gets sucked into its orbit, and all of a sudden starts dancing according to the tune of Jupiter. I'm not saying Jupiter is darkness, by the way because it exists within the hierarchy of light. And we're going to get to that in a second. But that is essentially what happens when you are in the pocket of darkness, practicing your own individuality. Your pool becomes so strong that you start getting all these satellites kind of join you. And then over time, the inevitability is that there's going to be one force that is more magnetic than everything else. And everything else is going to be magnetized to its orbit. Do you know what I mean? No need to sing Kumbaya. No need to hold hands. No need to play like team sport. That is all like what light does. Darkness is like, I'm just going to keep accumulating my energy until I become the most magnetic thing in the universe and everything is just going to get magnetized to me. The good news is, you guys, either way, whichever path you take, the end game is oneness. The, the end game is going back to the crayon box, so to say, is going back to source consciousness. But the way of achieving it is very different. And by the way, source may have started by dividing the entirety of existence into black and white, and then created even further splits from here. But whether we go back as light or we go back as darkness remains to be seen. Uh, because at one point, there is going to be, and, and that's why this fight between light and darkness is so prevalent, you're going to have your white verticals, you're going to have your dark verticals. And there's going to be a little bit of a power struggle of which way is it going to go? Because the way we go back is not through 50-50 split. It's through becoming either 100% darkness as the universe or 100% light as the universe.
Okay, this was a mouthful. I don't think I lost you yet. Oh my God, thank God. Because now it's a good, I promise you we're gonna get to angels and demons, you guys. It's just, this was like really, really important to get, to get out. Now, we exist in the white pocket of reality, meaning our teacher, our source consciousness that I talk, talk about is biased towards light. So it is biased towards um, togetherness. It is biased towards, um, you know, free will, right? So essentially it is fair and square in the light arena. And that is why, again, we are, when we come and descend into like this third dimensional space, very often we are judgmental of things that are like, we, you know, we have this propensity to want to be good and we tend to judge all the things that are not good or light or whatever, right? Because again, there is that antagonism and duality that is already factored in this initial split. So the hand that we have been dealt is a little bit that of antagonism. And I know everybody says, hey, you know, when we come to the spirit realm, there is no division there. Well, it actually depends on how high you go. If you just stay within the pocket of our reality, which is light, then the moment you go out of body, yes, indeed, it's very cohesive. Yes, indeed, it is very congruent. There's light everywhere, right? That is what our source teaches. Our local source is the source of light. The let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya and respect everybody's free will. Uh, but if you go a step up, there's just as many dark verticals as there are light verticals. Do you know what I mean? So no, not everything is oneness everywhere. That is not the truth of reality. Right now, reality is actually very divided. So here's where we get into angels and demons. And this is, uh, as I'm going to start talking to you about angels and demons, hopefully you guys are going to understand why I couldn't just bypass the first however many minutes of this podcast. Because the foundations, we need to build ground, like the ground floor before we can go upstairs. Simply put, it, well, actually, angels are very simple, uh, from my perspective. <laughs> oh, I know some of you guys uh, found that statement endearing, so I appreciate the humor in this, and I hope you do as well. So within our hierarchy of light, uh, under our source consciousness, that is, of light, there are many souls that are magnetized, that have been magnetized to its pool. Not every soul is an angel, if that makes sense. Because that is like one big misconception. Some people think that, you know, very, like, some people think that once you go out of body, essentially everybody is an angel. No. What is an angel? So essentially, if you think of our vertical, our localized vertical, with source being in charge of it or being on top of it, or being the, the crown jewel of our vertical, there's also the spiritual government that source has created in order to enable itself to be most effective in running our vertical, our vertical of light, with a bias towards light. And it has created, let's call it a spiritual government. This spiritual government has many layers. In the same way that you have your Senate here in the US, your Houses of Parliament, um, you know, you have your state governments, etc., etc. right? So it's a hierarchical system. Within this hierarchical system, angels are the kind of like the entry point into the hierarchy of light. So essentially, um, it is like an administrative title. An angel is an administrative title. It is not, you're not born into it. 
You don't essentially, and, and by the way, you can choose to have it for a time being, and then you can choose as a soul to do something else. So essentially it is kind of like apply, when, when you want to become an angel at soul level, it's kind of like applying for a job at the government, in the government, right? It is a career track. It is a career path. It is not a definition of who you are. Not really. I mean, it's a job. Obviously, a lot of angels are very attached to their job. A lot, Their sense of identity is part of that job. Now, there are seven uh, essentially main levels of angels, right? You start at your level one, you end at your level seven, but it's kind of beside the point. And because essentially over time, as you move up, and by the way, this hierarchy is a pyramid structure. So essentially, you, you're going to have a lot fewer people at the top, people, I should be saying souls, um, and a lot uh, more at the, at the bottom, at the base of the pyramid. Which goes to say that not every hierarchical structure, not every pyramid-like structure is of darkness or is bad, because it's not. It's just one way to structure the government. And so you have these angels, and as part of the spiritual government, what do they do? Angels, by, by the way, have multiple specifications. They, In the same way that the human governments are going to have ministries, and you can be the minister of defense, or you can be the minister of health or whatever, they have special, spe specialties over there as well. Um, and then they have essentially, and then above the angels, everybody knows the archangels, right? The archangels are supposed to be um, in charge of angels. But really, what, what's happening here is your um, angels are the doers and your archangels are the managers. It's kind of like probably the simplest way to describe this. Either way, both angels and archangels exist, or like let's say one of their predominant functions is to be able to and to help maintain virtual realities or matrix-like structures. Right now you're incarnated inside of a virtual reality. This is the first, fourth virtual reality in the current cycle. It is the best one yet, but it's also becoming old. So right now the spiritual hierarchy is working on the virtual reality number five to be launched sooner rather than later. The reason there are all of these multiple realities is because eventually virtual realities fail or they uh, live out their usefulness and they get upgraded. And so essentially both angels and archangels have various responsibilities around helping create and maintain these realities. Archangels usually are um, very instrumental in building out the new realities or shifting realities if they need uh, to be changed. Angels are usually have more localized tasks. So there are a lot more micro level tasks. And very often they're gonna be in supportive functions for different worlds as well as individuals. That's why you, you have, for instance, your whole army of guardian angels, and that is just like a ministry. Let's, let's call it, right? There is like a division within the spiritual hierarchy that's called the guardian angels, for instance. And there's a lot of them. By the way, the, um, you know, it's, it's not one-to-one -one relationship. One guardian angel can be the guardian angel for up to one million uh, souls currently incarnated. So it's not one-to-one -one relationship. But, you know, there is, um, it's definitely one track that you can take upon or you can be on as an angel. Now, like I said, that's not the only, so becoming an angel is not the only career path that you can take. Most souls are not part of the spiritual government. In fact, the spiritual government is under 10% of souls. 
now give or take, um, because everything is free will based. At the lowest, spiritual um, government is about 2% of souls. At the highest, um, uh, 12 is what I've seen. Uh, so it fluctuates uh, based on what's going to serve the souls. Now, again, souls are always after two things. Their personal evolution, and then if they're in the light hierarchy, um, they're after oneness. Oneness is this like North Star that everybody's trying to achieve uh, if, if, if they're an angel or in, in, in the hierarchy of light. Yeah, so those are angels. And again, probably a lot less confusion, I think, with angels than there is with demons. Um, and I can see why. I can totally appreciate the conundrum because angels are a lot simpler to understand. Although I will tell you that there are some misconceptions as well. One of the misconceptions on planet Earth is that angels don't incarnate. It's souls that incarnate and angels somehow are like better than souls or whatever and they don't incarnate. This is actually not true. Angels do incarnate. Um, so do archangels, by the way. It depends on how often, how frequent and where they have a choice. But very often, angels believe that they could be better at being in an administrative role, like being in the spiritual government, if they understood the worlds that they're here to assist. And that's why angels very often incarnate, right? Um, so they, they do. So just wanted to get that out of the way, if that is what you were questioning or you were wondering. Also, like I said, becoming an angel is not a forever thing. Your soul may choose to become an angel, then choose to go on another track, and then come back to being an angel. Now, of course, like everything in spiritual hierarchy, there is a process of ascension. And uh, we can talk about ascension maybe in a separate episode, because there is ascension at soul level, and then there is uh, what we can, could consider to be ascension within the constraints of planet Earth, and those are very different things. And so ascension at soul level, which is the actual true ascension, especially within the spiritual hierarchy, maybe ascension in general, let's, let's take a step back, is an ability of the soul to accumulate light. Now, this is for the light hierarchy. If we're talking dark hierarchy, it's the ability to accumulate darkness, right? So again, we have to take things with a grain of salt, depending on which, which hierarchy we're looking at. So ascension within our pocket of reality means that over time, through the experiences that you have as a soul, through the incarnations or whatever other jobs or titles you hold, through whatever experiences you're going through, over time, you're going to be able to accumulate more and more light and therefore move up the rankings. So if you have an administrative title of an angel, you're going to be moving up from level one to two to three, all in accordance with how much light your light bodies hold. Right now you're going through an experience in a third dimensional reality. You are accumulating energy as you go by. You're also emitting energy, right? It's a process. At the end of the day, your physical body is going to disintegrate. Part of your energy body, part of your etheric body is also going to disintegrate and remain with planet Earth. Another chunk of it, including your mental and emotional and spirit body is going to go back to, to where it belongs, back to your soul level. So it, there's going to be a tally at the end of your life. And whatever morsel of light, if there, if you have accumulated light, you know how kind of like bees collect honey? <laughs> Souls collect light within like light hierarchies. And so you're going to go back and it's almost like, do you have this jewel? Do you have this, like, this little pearl of light that you earned in this lifetime? And if so, it goes back to your treasure chest of other like pearls of light. 
And I'm using pearls here very loosely as an example, just so you guys can visualize. And so over time, you collect these pearls, all of a sudden you're like, I'm becoming lighter. I'm becoming lighter. I'm starting to move up. Yes, so your body, as you accumulate more light inside of your light bodies, you become lighter. And so you ascend. So you quite naturally rise uh, or level up, right? And so eventually an angel would become an archangel through the natural process of ascension. And then, of course, archangels can become seraphim, cherubim. Um, you know, there, there are other um, administrative posts like the architects, for instance, um, I hear. Um, and, um, you know, uh, there's also the legislature part of um, the spiritual hierarchy. And there is a judicial arm of the spiritual hierarchy as well, which is also like a projection of the karmic board. Or uh, like um, the karmic board, shall I say, is a part of the judicial arm as well. So there are arms within the spiritual government. Um, and so essentially you ascend and um, more layers become available to you. And also you get um, higher levels of responsibility. So that's that. Now, of course, but, um, where this gets interesting, like I said, is um, is the demons, right? So if we are, you may be thinking, okay, so we're in the light hierarchy. Everybody seems to be a nice, wonderful soul. We're studying, uh, we're learning from this wonderful source that is made of light, that propagates oneness, free will, and all of these purple rainbows and unicorns. It feels like a very nice and very... A beautiful picture that I'm painting, right? So what about demons, right? Aren't demons supposed to be darkness? And isn't darkness supposed to be in its own pocket of reality? So how come we're, we're experiencing what we're experiencing? And that is how we're getting to probably some of the very fascinating conversations that we could be having. <sighs> Part of the reason why we got attracted to our teacher, our source, our localized source, is because we wanted to learn light. Yes, we were light, but we also wanted to become and learn to be the caliber of light and house within our own bodies so much light that we could approximate source consciousness to some degree, because the only way you can go back into source consciousness is by matching source in terms of its vibrations. Otherwise, source is going to be repelling you, right? So with light, one of the way you go back into oneness is by ascending, constantly ascending, so that eventually your vibrations match source. And if everybody's vibrations always match source, we can all kumbaya together into oneness. Unfortunately, not so fast, right? Because now we have this whole spectrum of light within the hierarchy of light. And most of us are actually certain shades of gray. You may have heard me mention that um, in a past episode. Because we right now, as souls, do not represent the amount of light, and we don't hold the amount of light that source consciousness does. We hold a particle of it. So in other words, there is opportunity for us, ample opportunity actually, for us to upgrade and ascend at soul level. And so we go through these experiences, accumulating our pearls of light, you know, ascending, ascending, ascending at soul level. And then, of course, there are dark hierarchies that are also accumulating their things, right? And also moving up their own hierarchies and gaining power in their hierarchies. And that is how we get into the concept of demons. Now, of course, oh my God, I don't even know where to start with demons sometimes because there's so much misconception. By the way, 
that whole concept has been so twisted by the church and by all the modes of control and all the modes of brainwashing and just dogmatic thinking that I almost don't know if I want to first dispel the myths or just tell you how things are. So the reason demons are hard is because there's not just one kind of energy. They're not, they're not as simple to explain. I will, you know, why don't I tell you about three main categories of demons? Because again, I don't think anybody in the Catholic church or, you know, whomever really bothered too much to understand the origins of demons above and beyond the fact that they just exist and they can be used for control purposes. First things first, both angels and demons are real. So I just wanted to put it out there because I think some people still think that it's a myth and, you know, they don't exist. No, these entities are real. Now, they're not created equal. In fact, there's just so much variety in the, uh, let's call it the demon kingdom, although I really dislike that terminology. And they're, again, they're so diverse that I actually don't even appreciate that they all have the same word to identify uh, what they are. Oh, by the way, why don't we do this? Um, since we're talking about demons, you guys, why don't you put a protective um, pyramid of white light around your bodies? If you're driving right now, probably not the best time to do this. So maybe just make sure that you're not driving and you're not endangering your livelihood. That's the last thing that I want to do. Because some of these entities we're going to be discussing are like little baby tricksters, and I love them, but they, they could be tricky. So why don't we uh, all um, put in a pyramid of white light around our bodies and um, just make sure the entire, entire part of your body is covered. And my intention is that this pyramid is going to protect you from any entity seeking to inadvertently make contact with you if that entity is not made of light. So with this protection, I'm essentially sealing all the entry points to your body so that you can just intellectualize this content and we're going to use it to understand our reality better. But this is not an invitation for any of these entities to come in, in, into, into contact with us. I'm just, I just wanted to put it out there. So thank you for doing that for me. Okay, no need to protect ourselves from the angels. They can come, come and go, right? I hope that's okay. <laughs> I'm giving angels full permission to make your life awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, there are three major kinds of demons that we should be concerned with. The first ones are not even truly, I would, I would call them demonic energies, to be honest. Um, I, I, I can't, I mean, everything is consciousness, obviously, and everything is energy, but these particular beings specifically exist within the constraints of virtual reality and the matrix. So there is a class of what you guys would refer to, or what the Catholic Church refers to as demons, that never leave virtual reality. These are just energies that would one day be collapsed once this virtual reality is collapsed, because they are not souls, if that makes sense. So where did these things come from? Very simple. From people. These are chunks of collective consciousness of humanity centered around negative emotions and mental constructs. These are also parts, energetic parts of egregores. Egregores are, again, thought forms, energetic structures that are collective thought forms. Every celebrity has an egregore, every religion has an egregore. It's like an energy structure of something. So essentially, these demonic entities are what the church would refer to as demonic entities, 
are just clusters of negative energy that were once created because humans that came here, souls that came here to incarnate were experiencing life in a certain way. And they have created splits within themselves. Small splits, like small slivers, let's say of grief or of lust or what have you. And, you know, because there's, as you guys know, there's shadow work, right? And when there is shadow work, you are not always able to integrate the darker parts of yourself. And sometimes there, is, there are splits that occur. Sometimes it's slivers, like small, just small baby um, parts of your energy that kind of get left behind because they're not light enough uh, when you're leaving your body. Those energies are not light enough to go back uh, with you into, into the spirit realm. So they kind of remain here. Um, and some of them can get stuck here. And they start, you know, birds of a feather stick together. So they start accumulating into these clusters. Now, these clusters, and that's the problem with them, they don't really have consciousness beyond uh, maintaining their livelihood. So that is kind of like their, you know, the only thing that they can conceive of around the fact of, like, let's just preserve. Uh, Self-preservation is like the motivation for these entities. But like everything else, they need to be fed. And so, um, and they say they essentially get fed by the same energy that created them in the first place. So if it's a demon entity of grief, it would be feeding from people's grief. And if it's an egregore, for instance, or a thought form, or if this entity has um, accumulated large amounts of energy, it becomes powerful. And so it can actually impact others, like beings that are currently incarnated, to start experiencing a particular kind of emotion. One thing I will tell you about demons is this. Demons are also our great teachers. A demon cannot impact you if you don't have a distortion around the energy or the rate that demon leaves on, or lives on, sorry. They cannot touch you. You become untouchable. In fact, you become invisible to them. So if, if it's a demonic entity that was created by humans that experienced grief, and if at this moment in time you are not experiencing grief, and you're not nowhere close to vibrating in that range, that demon cannot see you. It'll never feed off of you. You are essentially as, you know, you like you exist in such different pockets of reality that you're untouchable. So that's one. How do these demons disappear? Is, you know, by actually either souls coming back, claiming their energy and doing shadow work. So they, they, they could take like part of their grief, integrate their grief, all of a sudden that grief becomes light. There's less of that energy left here, right? Sometimes there is planetary healers, planetary work that somebody does that could free up like massive amounts of this energy. And then that energy just leaves the planet. So essentially, they could be like a healer or I don't know, like a person. Um, I don't want to call them a mage because that <laughs> that's not like an energy worker, or let's call them a light worker, if you will, uh, that comes here. And they're like, well, you know, they're like, I'm working with the energy of grief, for instance. Let me free up all of that energy, put this through my body, transcend it, enable it to become light, and then that energy can leave the planet. So that's one type. There is a second type, which is kind of fascinating. And that's where, can I, um, can I just say, okay, I'm kind of, kind of quasi excited to talk to you about this was I scared? Never mind. I'm not scared of anything. The reason I'm scared is because I'm like, I don't want to blow your mind either. I think we're going to be fine. I think you guys are grown-ups. We're going to be fine. Okay. The concept of the devil. Uh, by the way, I think we should all be free to discuss these very adult topics without experiencing, you know, 
any uneasy feelings. Because the devil is an aspect of reality in the same way that God is or source consciousness is, right? And so there's absolutely nothing that would prevent us from understanding the concept of the devil. Now, remember how I told you that there are three major types of entities that we could be concerned with, like around demons. So the first one is this um, soulless being that is just the energy that is created by a collective consciousness of humanity. So that's one. The second kind that I'm going to talk to you about today is uh, Lucifer and the likes of Lucifer. So Lucifer, and by the way, actually, I'm really glad that uh, the Bible told his story. They didn't tell it all the way and they've lost like some pretty critical, some pretty crucial parts. So I'm really be, uh, I'm, I'm actually really um, excited to be able to introduce it to the story of Lucifer today. Really quickly, high level. So what you do know from the Bible is that at one point, Lucifer was this great archangel. Um, I think, I, I believe he's like one of the first sons, so to say, of God or source consciousness, almost as, um, not almost, but e even more mighty than Archangel Michael. So one of the beloved sons of God. And essentially, then there's that story about the fallen angels and how Lucifer fell because of his pride. And all of a sudden, he turned into this devil monster. And now he roasts people in hell. So I think that's kind of like how the story goes. Love it and hate it because they preserved some parts of, of the truth. And that's why it kind of resonates with a lot of people. But it's fine. We're not here to criticize whomever came up with the stories. We're here to get the record straight. So Lucifer, indeed, was and is an archangel. Not just any archangel, but an archangel that at one point contained within his light bodies massive amounts of light. Lucifer, indeed, came very close to containing as much light as our local source through many incarnations, through going through experiences, through descending into, you know, different planets and going through lessons. Here's the one thing that I didn't tell you about that is extremely critical to understand. If you were to understand the story of Lucifer and kind of like the story of essentially the backstory of demonology a little bit. So here's what happens. Remember how I told you that within any hierarchy, but specifically within the hierarchies of light, Ascension is extremely critical. I would say our mantra upstairs is always be ascending, <laughs> right? That's like what we're, one way to think about it is always be learning. Ascending and learning is essentially, well, I don't know, is that, the, is that the same thing? Learning always eventually leads to ascending if you do enough shadow work. Otherwise, learning just leads to experiences. The problem is if your experiences were negative and you keep splitting yourself, there's nothing for you to ascend with, right? Because you need all of your energy to be able to rise up. Now. One thing that's important to understand is that over time, as souls go through their experiences and they ascend eventually, eventually, right? Wouldn't you agree that there would come a time that you would match the level of source, like this local source, not the master source, but this local source in terms of how much light you're able to hold? I, I, I see you guys nodding. So theoretically, you agree that over time, who knows, millennia, Maybe it's a trillion years, doesn't really care. What is time anyway? Time is not real, right? As they keep telling us. So eventually, you would come very close to becoming a match to this local teacher, to this local guru that you came to study from. And what happens then, right? So as a soul, 
you kind of know, it kind of almost no longer makes sense for you to learn from this teacher because now you're as good as the teacher. So what happens? At that critical juncture, there are two options that you have at soul level. Option number one, you get to flip or shift up. So essentially, all these pockets of light, there's like a matrix structure within them. I don't want to blow your mind. Maybe the matrix is the wrong word. But you almost want to imagine a grid uh, of different uh, pockets of reality above you and then below you. And so above you, essentially, so if you ascend, it's a movement up. Eventually, you're hitting the ceiling of this of this reality. But then if you keep going up, you're going to reemerge on the floor, on the ground floor of the reality that's next one up. So it's almost like there are two skyscrapers, one standing on top of the other. And if, you on the, if you're on this bottom sky, skyscraper and you go to the very top floor and then you keep going up the elevator, you're going to get hit the ground level of the skyscraper that's on top of this one. And then you essentially start from scratch just in a different skyscraper. So that's one option for souls. You can just keep ascending, right? Keep accumulating light. Eventually, you're going to just go up and join another hierarchy of light and study under another source consciousness that is just a little bit more evolved. And again, um, you would repeat the same process. Up until one time, you reach the vibrations of the master source consciousness and you just go back into oneness. That's it. And you wait for the rest of the world to catch up with you. That is one very plausible scenario. The second thing you can do at soul level is go sideways. So instead of keep, keep uh, going up, you can go to the left or to the right. What happens to the left or to the right? To the left and to the right of our pocket of consciousness is the reality that vibrates at the same level or multiple realities that vibrate at the same level. What happens there? You get to become source consciousness in that micro pocket of reality for a group of other souls and essentially do the same thing for them that our current source is doing for us. That is a very plausible evolutionary scenario. So essentially there are two modes in, in, in this whole reality, to be a student or be a teacher. If you choose to be a teacher, then you become source. If you choose to be a student, you just keep going, keep ascending, and you could just, you know, keep ascending from one vertical to the other to the other, and you could just keep going. Very often in your reality, in your existence as a soul, you would try everything. You would try both, actually. You'd be like a teacher a little bit, and then like you'd be a student a little bit, and then maybe switch between the two, right? So that's how we get back to Lucifer. These were his two options. So he started approximating source consciousness in terms of the amounts of light that he could hold. When that happens, you're going to have to, at one point, what ends up happening is you make a jump, quite literally, it's a jump, and you either jump up, and essentially the jump, it's like a quantum leap. Uh, you either jump up, and then you essentially get to the bottom level, of another hierarchy, or you jump to the left or to the right, so to say, or to the side and establish your own hierarchy of light. Usually what happens for souls that choose to establish their own hierarchy of light, they often take with them a certain number of souls from this vertical. It just, it just happens so, because um, essentially when you're 
when you're high enough, when you're good enough to become source, you become interesting as a teacher to all of the other souls in this vertical. And so some of them choose to pledge allegiance to you. And when you make the quantum leap to establish your own vertical of light, they're going to want to jump with you. And some of you, I see um, some of you are smiling because you know exactly where I'm going. And that is where we're going with Lucifer. So Lucifer made the jump at one point. When you make the jump, he actually, when his intention was to create his own hierarchy and become source, it was our source's intention to get him to the level that Lucifer could make the jump. Because as a teacher, that is your greatest wish. It's not a dichotomy. So like, that's the one thing that I want you to understand. Source consciousness wants you to approximate it. It isn't in source's best interest that you match its vibrations so that you can go on to bigger and better things. And so Source was extremely supportive of Lucifer. And that's why it's very often said that Lucifer was one of his favorite children because he was making such great progress. Now, there are two things that are possible when you're making the jump. You either make the jump or you don't make the jump. If we're diving into the process of how this works. So when the soul is ready to make the jump, first, the timing is determined by the soul. That is the one thing that source consciousness, your teacher is not going to tell you. Your teacher is going to be like, hey, you decide when you're ready to make the jump. I'm not going to decide for you. Again, remember free will universe. And so the first thing that happens when you make the jump is your ties to the existing source consciousness breaks, right? So it's, it's like you are connected by this thread of light and then it just snaps. It cuts. Um, it, it's no longer existent. And then essentially what you need is actually momentum. Because remember, every source is actually um, an electromagnetic power. It's a force of nature that is so strong that this whole entity, like this whole structure revolves around it, right? So our local source is both magnetic and electric. So it's like a very, very massive magnet. So when you're trying to make the jump as this individual soul or multiple souls, you need to make sure that you have enough momentum to be able to jump so far and have so much momentum that you're going to get out of the orbit of this current source so that you even have a shot to establish your own. If you don't have enough momentum, what happens is you start flying and then you it sucks you back in. Like if you don't have enough, essentially what, what ends up happening here is the moment of truth. And this moment of truth is actually who is stronger. If you are either stronger than source or the same power as source, then you're going to be able to split and your quantum leap, your jump is going to be successful. If you're not as strong as source, even by an iota, even like by a little bit, like a sliver, you're going to get magnetized back into it and you're going to have to start from scratch. And that's what happened with Lucifer. So Lucifer said, hey, I think I'm ready to make the jump. It was this whole ceremony. It was this whole like parting moment. Um, a lot of souls agreed to go to Lucifer and uh, go with Lucifer, sorry, to help him establish this new hierarchy of light. He already agreed who is going to be his main general, his main minister, blah, blah, blah. 
a lot of souls, more than a million souls, millions of souls, wanted to go with Lucifer to establish this new vertical. And so Lucifer made the jump because he always jumps first. Because he's the source, right? He's the teacher. He's the way shower, actually, in this particular case. And the con his connection to the current source snapped. All of the other beings that were supposed to go with him made a jump. Their connection with source consciousness snapped. And it was all well and good. But the problem is, Lucifer jumped a little bit too soon. And so it was just a tiny, tiny sliver, but his energy wasn't strong enough. And so he got sucked back into this current orbit. The problem is, when you get sucked back, well, he got sucked back. And of course, because he was the way shore, everybody else who wanted to go with him got sucked back into the source consciousness as well, this current vertical of ours. The problem is their connection, once you start the jump, your connection with source breaks. And when that happens, you fall energetically. So he was at the very top of the hierarchy. And then, but um, the, essentially, um, when that connection snapped, him and everybody else fell into the very bottom of the hierarchy because they had no connection to this source. And so essentially they, become like, they became like the sediment at the very bottom of the barrel. And part of the reason why they say that Lucifer uh, fell because of his pride is because it is believed that if it wasn't for his pride uh, at soul level, he would be able to measure himself against source consciousness accurately. Otherwise, you know, he actually gave himself a little bit more credit than was due. That's why he jumped. So that is what happened. The problem is this. The only way for you to get back, essentially, like once you get cut off and you fall into the very bottom of the barrel, you're going to have to rebuild that connection with source consciousness. And again, this process is automatic. It's not God or source trying to punish Lucifer. None of that. None of that. It's just you make the jump, the connection snaps, and then it's like the law of physics, so to say. Like it's the laws have been written. There's nothing you can do about them. And so when Lucifer fell, there's always this period of redemption or exile, or something that um, has to happen before that connection can get snapped back. And so part of that is how Lucifer essentially got exiled here into this reality. By the way, this is not the only place where he serves in this capacity. But that is how one of the greatest archangels, this is how one of the greatest forces of light fell because of his pride. And that is how he got stuck here and essentially got labeled a demon. And him and all of his buddy buddies that jumped with him came here as well. And so essentially they have been, part of their energy has been stuck here, which is part of their redemption process. By the way, neither of these beings are of darkness. Remember, they're part of the light hierarchy. So for them, it's actually really excruciating to be here. Now, they're here at work and they're here as teachers. What are they teaching humanity? They're teaching through temptation. But again, remember, demons can never tempt you. These entities can never tempt you. If your energy around a particular topic is not distorted, you have to be cracked first before they can even attempt to mend you. 
right? Because essentially the process of temptation is them just showcasing you where you're not wholesome and perfect. Now, the problem with this type of demons, and again, I don't even want to call them demons because they're actually ex-angels and archangels. And by the way, Lucifer is now being reinstated back into the archangel status. So his, um, his exile is about over. Very, very close. Like he, he has like another, just a few decades left here. So he's, he's like ready to, to go, <laughs> go back essentially. Never, never see um, this reality ever again, especially in the capacity that he, he, he is here. Because essentially Lucifer as an archangel stands for light and stands for unity. And it, you know, it, it does pain him to, to, to be able to have to do this work over here. But that's beside the point. The problem with him and all of his friends, shall I call him, them, that jumped with him, is this. Once you get cut off from source, it's extremely hard for you to get sustenance because it's so, it's, at soul level, we all get fed and sustained by source consciousness, by mother, father, source, mother, father, God. So they're cut off from that. And that is also why sometimes they have to resort to taking that energy, taking that spark from people. And they do that in multiple ways. Uh, you guys are familiar with the concept of the contract with the devil. That is one way, by the way, that this happens. Like essentially, um, contracts are real. I highly, highly recommend you to not ever engage in one because you'd be surprised how hard it is to reclaim that part of your soul back. And so when, when people essentially sign away pieces of their soul for like riches or fame, or what have you, those contracts are extremely real. Um, and that is the one way that these demons, these entities that are now cut, out, cut away, cut off from source, can get a little bit of source consciousness energy inside of their bodies, right? So what they're craving is a soul connection with, with source. They don't have that connection. That connection is going to have to be rebuilt uh, through them going through essentially exile. And so what these entities want above anything is to reconnect back to source. Because once they reconnect back to source, they become light again. Um, because right now they're in a temporary state of darkness and their state of darkness is actually just predicated upon the fact that that's, that connection snapped. So that is the second type of entities that you guys would refer to as demons. And this is the most misunderstood. This is the most probably sad part of reality. Like it's, it's almost like these beings do not deserve the bad rep that they're getting, like not even a little bit. And then the th third and the last type of demon that I would talk to you about is actually very unique. We have about 20%, so 20% of all the demons are this category, this last category. Um, anywhere between 16 and 20% usually because they come and go actually. So these ones are here on a business trip. <laughs> you guys, I have to use earthly analogies, otherwise I'm gonna lose like 99% of you, right? So I hope you forgive me. What does that mean? That means that very often, light, the light pocket of reality like ours very often is going to collaborate with a dark pocket of reality of similar vibration, like a similar level. Like for instance, if we're fifth graders on the light side, we're going to pick like a partner in crime as a fifth grader on the darkness. It's not even us that picks it. It's actually two source consciousnesses, like the, the light and the dark collaborate together. And, and usually they decide that, hey, in order for us to speed up this process of evolution, because it's otherwise it's painfully slow, one thing that we're committed to doing is sharing energies. And so our white hierarchy sends people on a business trip to the dark hierarchy. 
And it's like a student exchange program. I don't know. Is that a better analogy? And they send some to ours. Why is it done? Because it helps a contrarian energy, truly contrarian energy, to enter into our space. It's usually done like a small part, like um, a small number of these beings are going to come. At any point in time, like we're never going to have like the majority of people being here on a business trip from the dark uh, hierarchy, because then that that really actually doesn't speed up the process, actually slows it down. But if you, it, it has been understood and it has been empirically tested that if you invite beings from an, an, another hierarchy, like an antagonistic hierarchy, let's call that, and you are smart about how you infiltrate them into your own hierarchy, it actually helps everybody evolve faster. And this is the third type of demon. This is actually, so um, I know some of you think that Satan is the same thing as Lucifer. They're not. The being that we refer to as Satan when we call the name Satan, we're actually referring to the main being that is here on the business trip from a dark hierarchy who came with his own entourage. And those beings, they're completely different. A, they are supported by their own source consciousness on the darkness side in a, in a parallel hierarchy. So they don't need our source to be um, in full alignment and to be fed. So they actually don't care about your energy. But what they do care about is switching your thinking. And these are the type of demons very often also that work with the mental. Whereas, uh, remember how I told you like the, the first category of demons like deal with grief and feelings. They, most, uh, they mostly feed up um, on, on people's emotions. They, this third category is mostly mental. And they're really here to change your thinking and to change your psyche and to change your fundamental North Star, right? Because what is also possible, essentially they're here to convert you at soul level, actually. But um, one way that they work is through planet Earth. And they're here to convert you saying, hey, you don't need light. You don't need to study from this teacher. We have this other teacher over there. And once our business trip is over, you can come with us. And by the way, it does happen. Uh, beings, souls do migrate when they kind of get tempted away, so to say. Because for some beings, again, this master source consciousness doesn't, doesn't discriminate between the paths. Every path is valid. You want to study from light? Go for it. You want to study from darkness? Go for it. The world's your oyster, right? And so there's always these contrarian beings that are just providing enough friction and enough of an opposing point of view so that souls that incarnate here, as well as souls that exist outside of this matrix world, can make an informed choice that indeed, no, they still are choosing this path and not this other path. And this is the third kind of demon. Are they essentially evil? They're not. It's just their whole value system is different because they're not even of our hierarchy. And they're starting from this whole other being that has the accumulation of power as their North Star, right? So these are the three kinds of demons. And, and again, they're very different. Are any of them fundamentally evil? Define evil in the same way like I'd ask you to define good. It's all a perspective. And from the highest perspective that is, that exists, which is master source consciousness, neither one of them is more preferable. One of them is not a saint, the other is not a sinner. And vice versa is not the case. They just are, right? And so I, like, I ask you 
to open up your mind and understand that yes, you may have a bias towards light. I do too, by the way. I have a massive bias towards light. Why? Because I am studying from source of light. And so are you, most likely. Uh, if you're aligning with my content and you showed up here. As such, we have a bias towards light. And so I want you to understand that like, there's something about you that's already thinking, that's already kind of like a little bit, being a little bit judgy about the darkness because this is not the way that we have selected, right? But just because this is not the path that we have selected at soul level, doesn't mean that this is not a valid path or it is somehow inferior or evil because that is not the case. Because by saying that that path is evil, essentially, we would have to agree then that source consciousness is 50% evil. So if, if you think that statement is true, then fine. I personally do not subscribe to the fact that source is evil. Just can't. No can do. All right. This felt like a lot, but somehow I'm sensing like this low level, like, oh, maybe like actually decent levels of excitement from the collective. I did not expect this reaction. I'm actually really happy that you guys feel that way. For some of you, you're feeling like I just gave you clarity, like immense clarity that you're like, this was crazy, but somehow this resonates and somehow this makes so much sense. Oh my God. Thank you. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, you guys. Um, I wanted to see if the collective has any questions around the whole merry-go-round I told you about just now, anything that I can help clear up for you. So the question is about Lucifer. So what, what do you mean by uh, saying that Lucifer is going to be reinstated back as an archangel? So what I mean by that is that he no longer is going to have to play the, the bad cop, so to say, right? He's no longer ha going to have to resort to temptation. So essentially, um, Lucifer is going to rejoin back with um, some of the other archangels that you guys know and love. Uh, such as Michael and Gabriel and Raphael, and they're going to be buddy buddies again. And the good news is when you're exiled, the good and bad, the good news is when you're an archangel or an angel or whatever, when, when you're just like a normal non-exiled being with a connection with source consciousness, you have tremendous amounts of free will. When you get cut out from source consciousness, you're going to have to jump through hoops to be able to go back to, um, to be able to reconnect back to source. And so very often you temporarily <laughs> lose your sense of free will. So essentially when Lucifer fell, he had to have a very serious conversation with source consciousness because remember in this case, source consciousness recognizes that he it was a bad teacher for Lucifer because Lucifer jumped too early, right? So it was just as much of a tragedy, tragedy for source consciousness as it was for Lucifer. And so then as a teacher... There had to be a disciplinary action because again, the end game hasn't changed for source and Lucifer. The end game is for Lucifer to become source, actually. It's own source in its own hierarchy, right? But now there was uh, like a mechanism that was devised, like a penance of sorts that was devised for Lucifer and his friends, <laughs> his group, um, in order for them to redeem themselves, right? Because again, it's, it's all an energy exchange, right? And so when you voluntarily break something, like a contract, or when you break uh, like a tie to um, a teacher uh, prematurely, then there is some type of payback and karma. So essentially, it was, it's Lucifer's karma is, is what it is. And now he's paid most of it back. And so now his connection to source consciousness is coming back. So it's becoming stronger, stronger, stronger. 
at which point he's going to become so light, he's never going to align with the demonic consciousness. Like, it's just not, you know, he's just, he contains so much light that um, that is no longer going to serve him on his path to ascension. Because that's essentially what, what Lucifer is, is doing, right? He is uh, on a path to ascension. That uh, I'm ready to take the next question, whatever serves humanity. Um, so um, this question is interesting, more of a comment. So um, this person is saying that they're they're used to thinking of demons as bad and um, kind of like entities that are out to get them. And they have a hard time internalizing that they're teachers uh, because teachers usually don't harm you. And, you know, teachers, um, so th they're like, how do we reconcile these beings that could take your soul, for instance, right? Uh, this tricksters with teachers because um, the teacher archetype is on a pedestal here and, and these tricksters are kind of like down below in the in the fiery hyena and, and so the two kind of don't match. Well, I will tell you this, that we need to expand our definition of a teacher because a teacher is somebody who serves you a, a lesson in a way that is effective and in a way that you get it. That is a true definition of a teacher. The teacher is somebody who is effective at teaching you or showing you a lesson. That is a true definition of a teacher, not somebody who has a degree, not somebody who is, I don't know, uh, has a golden star or whatever, or believe that they're deserving or worthy. A teacher is somebody who can be effective at telling you or showing you something about yourself that you need to learn. From that perspective, demons are freaking amazing. Best creation of the universe. <laughs> they really get their point across. Really, they do. Quite... Uh, quickly. As from that perspective, they are really great teachers. Um, sometimes, I mean, and, and again, we're going to have to expand our consciousness to understand that sometimes to learn the presence of something, you have to first learn the absence of something. For example, if you at soul level wanted to understand love, I guarantee you, you're not going to start with like your first life getting into a romantic, let's say it's romantic love. You, you wouldn't start by getting into a perfect relationship with a perfect soulmate and just living happily ever after. That is not the path that your soul is going to take. First, your soul is going to take 999 paths that are showing you all the ways how you, don't, you cannot have love or don't have love or missed out on love or something else, some trauma drama happened, right? And that is almost like the, so like essentially you would learn how it is to be cheated on, how it is to be betrayed, how it is to, to like lose your significant other to, I don't know, some accident, like all the ways that your heart, you would learn all the ways that your heart can be broken before the final culmination of this is like, actually now let's, let me live a perfectly good life with, with somebody that's going to make me happy. That's usually the learning process. So same thing from demons, right? They're not showing you what it would be if you had the per picture perfect. They're kind of like, you know, every, they're, they're here every time you stumble and every time you fall, they're like opportunity for improvement. So yes, they're freaking amazing teachers. And I think that we should be grateful. Now, are they tricksters? Absolutely. Yeah, they are. That's what they get paid to do, if you know what I mean. By the way, these people that are here on a business trip, they get paid. Like this, the, I meant like these demons from like a, a neighboring, uh, I wanted to say galaxy, not galaxy vertical. <laughs> they get paid. It's a job. 
being a demon is a job for, for, for them. So one type is an exile. Another type is a job. And the third type is just energy and, you know, that, that's shadow that's seeking to come back into oneness, but nobody's going to claim it. And so it's just here hanging out, you know, <laughs> none of these entities are evil, you guys, right? Okay, fine. In the pr Imagine we're in the prison scenario and there is a prison guard. Is the prison guard evil? No, they're not. I mean, somebody has to want the, 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 watch the, the prisoners. I mean, do they, because like, we can be like, we can rationalize, okay, the prisoner, the prison guard is evil because they allow all these people to stay in cages and they essentially limit people's ability to be free and do whatever they want. Yeah, because there's freaking karma, right? A prison guard is somebody that enacts karma. Very often a demon is somebody that enacts karma or at least is here to balance the energy. So another way to think of demons is actually from the, from the position of medicine. Like when the person is sick, they need medicine. The medicine doesn't always taste sweet. In fact, I would argue that most of the times it really doesn't. It's bitter, it's uncomfortable, it's unpleasant. That's why most of your pills have coating on them because you couldn't even swallow that if it didn't have coating on them. Do you know what I mean? That's the medicine. So no, no. The medicine doesn't have to be pink rainbows and, 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 and pretty unicorns. Most of the time, medicine is not, right? And so the medicine that demons deliver is in a form of bitter, a bitter pill to swallow. But it doesn't make them any less effective. And it doesn't make them any less valuable. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that they're actually massive accelerators. They are accelerators. The question that I'm getting from the collective is this. Well, if they're so great then, uh, why did you put protections on us? Uh, because if they're so amazing, let's just give them free reign. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, no. <laughs> because again, I don't think anybody should just open their door wide open and be like, anybody walk in. Because demons and... You know, there's only so much darkness you can take. There's only so many lessons per millisecond that you can handle. There's only so much turmoil or mayhem you can handle at one point in time. Fact of life. That is why we have karmic boards. That is why you're not dealing with 100% of your karma right away. In fact, you're dealing with it in a very small portion since sometimes you're working on the same morsel of karma for multiple incarnations because otherwise it becomes extremely ineffective and you become overwhelmed. So no, it's not okay for us to give a card blanche to all the demons that want to come and fix you because right now your energy may be distorted in a thousand different ways, right? And so if a thousand demons were to enter your, your auric field, my friends, you're not going to want to listen to this podcast ever again. <laughs> yeah, be like, what did Maria do? Holy cow, right? So I never want to put you in that scenario because... Because you will align with whatever energies need to heal you, to mend you in your own timing based on the decisions that your karmic board made and your higher self made, but not because I personally aligned you with that lesson. That is not the karma that I want. So I'd rather have you protected. Do you know what I mean? Not everything is so black and white. 
Do I think demons are great teachers? Yes. Do I believe they're trickster ponies? Absolutely. Do I believe this should be taken in small doses? Yes. And by the way, I already told you once, I'll tell you this again. Don't ever have a freaking contract with a demon. You really don't, do not want to sign on the dotted line, you guys. You really don't. You don't want to dabble in black magic. Because many generations of your children are going to pay for that. I'm just saying. Now, if that's your lesson, there's nothing I could tell you to prevent you from going down that path. Right? Again, beauty of free will in the hierarchy of light. And that is, that is that. I'll take one last question on this. How do angels feel about demons? <laughs> the answer is it depends. Um, on the one hand, I mean, there are many angels, there are many demons, right? Um, there are arch nemesis, actually, in, in, in the angel and demon. Like, there are some angels and demons that really hate each other. And then there are some angels that are, like, love and light. And then there are some demons that don't care. You know, there's a little bit of that attitude. Now, I'll tell you, if we go up and keep zooming out, eventually, at a high level of understanding, everybody knows that at one point in time, it's going to come down to us versus them. In a sense, will this universe collapse into light? Or will this universe collapse into darkness? And that is why angels are biased. Angels are always going to have a bias towards light. So angels are able to have and contain and hold the perspective of love and acceptance for things. That is their strength, right? Because in order to hold hands and sing kumbaya and believe in free will, by default, they have to believe in the free will of demons to choose their path. But it doesn't mean that they are going to want to follow in the footsteps of demons. And that is where you have this antagonistic view. So I would say, despite the fact that there is a lot of this like love and all-encompassing like um, acceptance, there is also just as much resistance from the angelic kingdom towards the demonic kingdom that I see. And so the answer is it actually really, really absolutely depends. Yeah. Like to a point that not every angel could just go and give demon a hug and feel like, feel okay about it. Do you know what I mean? They're still kind of like on, like on different camps, different camps. Now, if we're talking about Lucifer, right? That is part of the spiritual hierarchy and all of his buddy buddies, that's different because every angel and every archangel knows that they're actually former angels and future angels, if that makes sense. So they're not antagonistic. Nobody hates Lucifer. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying that, but most beings don't. Like in the in the hierarchy of light, they understand where he stands, if that makes sense. Cool. All right, you guys. Well, I don't know if I blew your mind. Um, feel free to drop me some uh, feedback, uh, whether in the comments on my YouTube video or in my DMs on I, uh, IG. I'm super curious what you felt about this because actually um, a lot of you have reached out to me during pri prior episodes requesting uh, to talk about demons. And, and then some of you felt guilty because you didn't feel like it's going to serve the collective humanity if we talked about demons. Let me know how you felt. I am sending you so much love. I, uh, yeah, I'm taking in um, additional requests. If you guys have a request for a future episode, DM me on Instagram. I'm at this is Maria official on Instagram. And that's that. Big virtual hug. I'll see you in the next one. Bye, loves.